Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you that you are always good. Please calm our minds and our hearts now. Help us hear your words and help them be a comfort to us. Amen. Well, it's uh, great to be with you uh, wherever you're watching from. And these are uh, strange times that we're in. For some, the times have probably been uh, more amusing than anything else. Um, just people are enjoying a change of routine and the restrictions have led to a bit of a simplicity of life that's refreshing. But for others, the effects of this virus have been personally and, and deeply felt um, with um, anxieties about uh, friends and family, about finances and about jobs, about health. And perhaps at this time, more than any other in our memories, uh, we see how helpless we actually are. We feel helpless. A lot of our regular helps are looking a little less dependable. We used to think, you know, I'm safe because I've got a job. I'm safe because I'm, I'm retired and I've saved up enough to last me. I'm safe because I've got the support of my family and friends. Or I'm safe because I live in Australia and the health system is, is great. You see, now some of these helps seem a little more shaky, more like balsa wood props that can't really take any weight at all. See, this period is a, a reality check for us. And that reality check is, is good because it unmasks a truth that sits under everything else that is always the case but often ignored until we're jolted out of normality. See, we are quite helpless. That's the reality all the time. And even if you're feeling quite easy with COVID-19 at the moment, the reality check is just as vital for you too and you're at more risk of missing it. See, we are helpless the complex strings of proteins that are needed to grow our tiny bodies, just one being out would make life for us unviable. And yet, here we are, it comes together. As babies, we need someone to do everything for us. And though we grow in independence, we're still dependent on other people and circumstances that we can't control. Food keeps turning up on our supermarket shelves, or, or so we thought. Our hearts keep beating automatically, but could stop at any moment for anything to happen for us. Even for us to breathe, we need help. And where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Look at verses uh, 1 and 2 in this psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 121. The writer of this psalm looks to the hills, symbols of stability and calm, and then he lifts his eyes a little higher to the one who made the mountains, the Lord himself. God is our help because he's the maker of heaven and earth. That's the fundamental belief of a Christian. We say it in the first line of the Apostles' Creed. That's reality. That's the truth, that we are helped both in existing to begin with and continuing to exist by our Maker. But this is something we find ourselves still doubting. Of course, there's one kind of doubt, that's the open, barefaced, complete doubt. 
And that could, be, that could be you this morning, the kind of doubt that says, no, God's not really there at all. If that's you, I hope that what uh, these passages say to us help you realise that you're on the wrong track, that this is real, this is a relieving and refreshing message for you. But for the many of us who, who do trust Jesus, we can still find ourselves doubting. We can know in our heads that, yes, God is the maker of the heavens and the earth. Yes, God is our help, but we don't feel it in our hearts when we're gripped by anxiousness or fear. We have sneaky doubts that wheedle up on us. One sneaky doubt says, well, does God really want to help you? And it's followed by a second that says, well, if he does want to help you, is he able to help you? This psalm answers both of those sneaky doubts. Uh, one commentator says that this psalm braces and lifts us to its own serene height of conscious safety. Conscious safety, what a nice phrase. Imagine that. That's the state we're in, I think, when we depend on uh, one of our other helps, a job, our financial position, our, our family, our friends, something else. That feeling that everything is going to be all right, there's something there to catch us. But those helps, those are an illusion. Imagine if you had a sense of conscious safety about life that couldn't be shaken by anything. What would that feel like? How would you act? We need to rediscover where our safety, where our help really is, and we need to lean into that. And that's what this psalm is designed to do, to reassure us. This is a, a going up psalm, a psalm of ascent. Um, you can see it there in the title. Probably uh, written uh, for or by travellers going up to Jerusalem, which was on a hill, for one of the three yearly festivals. And so, have a look at verses 1 to 2. Um, it starts in the first person. So, it says, I lift up my eyes, my help, as the, the writer asserts, what they know to be true. But, you know, sometimes when you begin to doubt, it's useful to hear it from someone else. You need reassurance. And so, see, in, uh, from verse 3 all the way through the rest of the psalm, the pronouns change to you. It's someone else talking. He will not let your foot slip, he who watches over you. It's as if this confident second voice has come onto the scene to assure this person that, yes, God is your help. It's true. It's as if a, a travelling companion on the, on the journey to Jerusalem is, is reassuring his friend. That's what we need today, not just the knowledge that God is the maker of heavens and, the heavens and the earth and he is our help, but reassurance that brings us to a conscious feeling of safety. We need reassurance. It's like when I was just about to get engaged to Sophie, I was pretty sure I was, I was keen to do it. I was pretty sure it was going to be great. But still, I called my friend the day before and his voice telling me, yep, this is a good idea, it made a huge difference to me, even though I knew that already myself a reassuring companion, a strong voice. And the voice here says, yes, God is our help. But what about that first sneaky doubt? 
does God want to help? Yes, the voice says he wants to help because he watches over us. The psalm presents God as the watcher over us. Uh, That language is used six times in those final five verses of the psalm. It could be translated protector or guardian. God is like a shepherd to his people. He's like a mother hen who brings her chicks under her wings to protect them from the impending danger. That's the God that's presented here. Have a look at the the images in this passage. In verse 3, he won't let your foot slip. It's like a parent guiding some first steps or a strong guide leading you across a a treacherous mountain path. Or in verse 5, God's like a lush tree or an umbrella perhaps, giving you cool and refreshing shade, protecting you. This voice of assurance says, God certainly does want to help. He's your watcher over us, your protector. Well, what about that second sneaky doubt? Maybe God wants to help, but is he able to? The reassuring voice says, yes, he's always on the job. He never slumbers nor sleeps. You can see it twice there in verse 4. God is protecting all the time. Look at verse 6, where we have the possibly harmful rays coming from the sun or the moon. That is to say, God's protecting at any time of day. You might be asleep as the moon is in the sky, but the Lord is still watching over you still protecting. And in verses 7 and 8, the the confident reassurance kind of gathers up anything else that we forgot to mention before and says, the Lord will keep you, that's the same word again, from all harm, anything that could go wrong, and he'll watch over your life. That is everything, all the time. You're coming and you're going both now and forevermore. So this is the summary. The reality is that God is our help because he made heaven and earth. That's verses 1 and 2. And then this confident voice reassures us, yes, he's your help by protecting you all the time, never slumbering. That's verses 3 to 8. But what about when it doesn't seem that way? What about when it doesn't seem like God is helping? What about when a virus is spreading when we're unsure about the future? And what about, what about death, whenever it comes? The Psalms and the Bible as a whole do not shy away from this. Listen to these lines from some other Psalms. Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Or Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or Psalm 88, You have caused friend and neighbour to shun me. My companions are in darkness. See, these psalms give no logical, sterile answer to why suffering comes. That's why they're a great comfort. And yet, our psalm assures us that God is our help, that he's willing and able. See, the contradiction that seems to take place in these psalms is the same one that's happening in our minds. But they are not contradictory. The Bible is God's word, and he doesn't contradict himself. We're missing something. What we need to do is we need to rediscover what help actually means. We need to expand our idea to fit the Bible's idea. We need, firstly, to rediscover that we need help to really live. 
And by really live, really live, I mean not a just making it through, body slowly decaying, life slowly ebbing away kind of life. I mean a much bigger view than that. Look in verse 7. It says the Lord will watch over your life. That life word means someone's whole being, not just the biological systems, but consciousness, the heart, the soul. The concept of life extends beyond the physical. Humans are physical, yes, but also spiritual beings. And look in verse 8. The psalm says, God will watch over both now and forevermore. Forevermore makes no sense if life ends when you die at 100, if, if you're lucky. See, we have a stronger reassuring voice than the one who is the psalmist's friend. Because we've got God in the flesh in Jesus Christ. In our reading from Mark today, we heard that a paralysed man was lowered in on a mat in front of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus did was not to help the man walk again. Of course, he could have done that. No, the first thing Jesus did was to get to the heart of the problem. He started by forgiving the man's sins. Sin the state of rebellion of humankind, which brings about the broken world that we're in, the kind of world of viruses, of anxiety, of isolation, of, of paralysis. See, God doesn't promise to extend this life as we know it now, a life that's plagued by these physical corruptions of illness, loneliness, death, and spiritual corruption, sin. That's a rubbish life. You ultimately don't want that. God promises eternal life. Life that is perhaps interrupted for a moment by death, but life that extends forever, uncorrupted. Life as it is meant to be. We need to rediscover the life we really need. But secondly, we need to rediscover that our help has already come. Jesus is that help. He shows undeniably that, yes, he does want to help. So send that sneaky doubt packing. It's gone. In our New Testament reading about the paralyzed man on the mat, we saw that the man's friend, friends brought him to Jesus. Those friends knew that Jesus was willing to help because Jesus was always willing to help. He was healing people uh, here and there. That was his reputation. He longs to help us. But not only that, he is able to help us. So say goodbye to that other sneaky doubt that's kind of trying to sneak into your mind. See, in the story of this paralyzed man, Jesus does miraculously heal him. He is able to help. Coronavirus is nothing to him. And he addresses the root of the problem too. He forgives the man's sins. He deals with those sins and our sins on the cross. He does it by relinquishing his own access to the help of God. He takes those words of Psalm 22 onto his own lips. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what he says on the cross. See, Jesus both wants to help and he's able to help. And he's already come. Jesus doesn't have to ever die again. 
He has already dealt with sin, the thing at the heart of all the brokenness of our world and the brokenness in our hearts too. We've already seen that this help is effective in Jesus' resurrected body. He is now impervious to death. Coronavirus would just ping off him like bullets off Superman's chest. He's now in unisolated, perfect relationship with God forever. That's the help that has come to us. That's what we look to. See, we don't need to lift up our eyes to look at the hills. We lift up our eyes to look at one specific hill, Golgotha, the hill on which Jesus was crucified. So how do we get to a point of conscious safety? Well, if we rediscover that actually we need help for everything, every moment of existence, and that God is helping us in every single second. And if we rediscover that our real hope is not just to avoid corona or make it through, or even to avoid death itself, but to live as we were made to, free from sin forever, and if we rediscover and realise that, that, that our help has already been provided tangibly, in history, in reality, and it's 100% assured, then conscious safety will be virtually unavoidable. What would it look like if you had a greater sense of this kind of conscious safety? What would it look like if you really understood where your help comes from? Perhaps it would look like being slightly less panicked when you go to the shops, walking the aisles with an assurance that you will get what you need rather than bustling and barging, of course, in a very polite way. Or perhaps it would look like if you're uh, not feeling threatened by coronavirus at all, it might look like not being so blasé about your own good health and realising that you depend on help for all of it. Perhaps it would look like investing in the things that God says are vital for survival, like drinking in his word deeply, with at least as much vigour as our hand-washing or our social distancing. Perhaps it would mean offering a reassuring voice to others in our church family or even others outside of it. See, the wonderful news is that in the end, regardless of our consciousness of our safety, we are safe if we depend on the Lord as our help. Our help has already come. Let's pray. Our Father, thanks so much that you are our help and that you've shown us that once and for all in Jesus Christ. In these anxious times and at all times, please give us a conscious sense of safety in him. Amen.